travel light. Ask yourself, what if I weren't weighed down? What if I weren't weighed down with all that baggage? What if I didn't carry all these regrets from yesterday and all these worries about tomorrow? What if I could put some of this baggage down and begin to do exactly what Max Lucado said, exactly what Pastor Jimmy's talking about right now, if I could begin to travel light? What if I could not only hear the words of Jesus, but receive the words of Jesus when he says, Come to me, all you who, are la- who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Sadly, so many of us realize only too late that we've used up all our energy in life carrying the wrong burdens and worried about the wrong things. And so this morning, I want us to hear from Jesus in Luke chapter 12. If you've got your Bibles, I encourage you to turn there. It was, the passage was a little bit too long to print on your handout, but we'll have it up here on the screen for you. Luke chapter 12, verses 22 to 34. Father, as we prepare to hear your word, we want it to seep down into us so that we can not only hear it, but respond to it. Let it live in us. Make us alive to your word so that we might humble ourselves and truly follow your son, Jesus. For we pray it in his name. Amen. All right, what do we have here? And he, that is Jesus, said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you'll eat, nor about your body, what you'll put on. For life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to the span of his life? If then, you who are not able to do so small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat and what you're to drink, nor be worried, for all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions, give to the needy, provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches, no moth destroys, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now listen. This thing is so packed. It would take us days to unpack all of what Jesus is teaching here. But there's something that stood out to me in the reading of this scripture. There's no telling how many times I've read through Luke chapter 12. And yet, 
something stood out that I'd never seen before. Jesus often talks about, hey, think about the birds of the air. Or uh, think about the, the sparrow. You know, God's aware of every sparrow that falls from the sky. But this was interesting because he specifically mentions God's care for the ravens. Now, why is that significant? It's significant because of this. A raven is a carrion bird. In other words, it eats the, the carcass of another animal. And because of that, to the Jewish mind and in the Jewish law, ravens were unclean. Now, why is that significant? Because unclean things were on the bottom of the list. They were the bottom of the barrel. And so what Jesus is trying to communicate to us is this. God even cares for that which is on the bottom of life's barrel. And if God cares for that unclean raven, you can be certain he cares for you. He also mentions something else from nature, the grass of the field. Now, he talks about the lilies, and when we think of lilies, we think of Easter lilies. Lilies could be any kind of flower that grows. It doesn't have to be what we think of as a lily. And if you look out, uh, I, I was <laughs> this morning, uh, as I was working on the message, I was talking about just looking out of the open fields during the springtime, and I was going to say, or as we call it in Georgia, February. But this morning kind of messed that up. Okay, but if, as, as the weather gets warm and the, the rains begin to fall and you look out over these open fields with the wind blowing through the grass and the wildflowers popping up, it can be a breathtaking scene to see all of that. Now in Jesus' time, he, he, it was still, they still had a bunch of, they're not talking about somebody's lawn, they're talking about the wild grass that grows and the wild flowers that grow out in the field. And Jesus says, look how they're, look how they're, they're Solomon's not even dressed that nicely. It's just gorgeous. He says, but, but they're gathered up and thrown into the oven. What's he mean by that? Well, wood was a little scarce there. And so if you were going to cook dinner, Oftentimes what you would do is you'd go out and you'd gather grass in a bundle, you'd let it dry out, and you'd use it in place of wood to cook your dinner. Now, why is that significant? Because Jesus is saying, think about how insignificant grass is. Again, not talking about your lawn. This is stuff that randomly and wildly grows around. Think about that. If God is care, who cares for something so insignificant as grass, which is gathered up and tossed into the fire, something so transient in nature as grass, something we don't even think about except when it catches our attention on a beautiful day, if God is that concerned about grass, just think about His level of concern for you. Now, I don't want us to miss the... The point here. Jesus is not saying that you and I need to put our lives on cruise control and do nothing. That is not what he's saying. We're not the baby bird in the nest waiting for mama to bring a worm. We're not grass standing out on the field just waiting to dry out. That is not his point. Instead, what he's saying is, listen, you carry all this anxiety. 
You carry all this baggage along the way in life. But if your starting point is, I have a God who loves me and a God who's caring for me, then it helps you to put down that baggage. I have a God who's concerned even about unclean animals and grass that's about to be bundled up and thrown into a fire. Do I honestly think that this same God doesn't care about me? Because when we began with the starting point that I have a God who loves me and is caring for me even today, we began to put down some of that baggage that we carry through life. Now I would dare say, and I, this is, I've spent a little time trying to think of this, what is the, what's the heaviest piece of baggage that, that I carry? And I think for me and for many of us, the heaviest piece of baggage that I carry is a false sense of self-sufficiency. I want you to think about this because I think many of us carry around that same piece of luggage. We get up in the morning. We may or may not have our quiet time. It all depends on how rushed things are at our house. We may, you know, read a little bit quick verse of Scripture, but, but it's out the door. We've got to get on with the busyness of life. I really don't have time to, to sit here and, and dwell in the presence of God and dwell in His Word and, and speak to Him and hear from Him in prayer. I just don't have that kind of time because, you know, people are depending on me and life's too busy and life's too full and I've got to get out there and make things happen. I've got to get out ahead of the train before it runs over me because life's coming whether I like it or not. And so I'm self-sufficient. I feel like, you know what, I can skip this day. I can skip this time and I can get on with life. And and God can be kind of in the back of my mind, not on the forefront of my mind, but in the back of my mind, almost as an afterthought of my life and I can go through one day after the next after the next after the next after the next thinking that I'm smart enough and I'm strong enough and I can do this and there's this illusion this false sense of self-sufficiency that somehow I got this and that is the heaviest piece of baggage that I carry and it's not that I don't have my quiet times on a regular basis. It's just that once you get rolling, you somehow think, okay, I've done that. Now it's up to me. And that's a lie. It's a lie. And it causes us to go through our days thinking it's all up to us rather than depending upon Him who it's truly up to. And we really never figure that out until God calls us to get outside of our comfort zone. Yeah, God, doesn't God have a way of doing that, just kind of messing you up? I mean, you're trucking along on your own steam, on your own plan, doing your own thing, and then God throws the curveball in there. God brings someone to intersect your life, or God brings an incident into your life, and you hit the brakes. And you come to the realization, you know what? Um... I can either keep going the way I'm going or I can go with God. 
Henry Blackaby in the study experiencing God calls that a crisis of belief. It doesn't mean that we believe any less. It just tests what we truly believe. Do I believe God is sovereign? Do I believe that God is in control? Do I believe that God has this or don't I? The same is true when we run into situations that, that challenge, uh, challenge our own ability. When we get to the end of ourselves, I like that expression. When we get to the end of ourselves, it's at that point we recognize that I've got no more energy. I've got no more knowledge. I've got no more wisdom. I, I really can't make it go anywhere from here. So I've got to run back to God. I've got to cling to Him. I've got to get rid of this myth of self-sufficiency and begin complete and total reliance on Him. And sometimes when Jesus challenged His disciples, He challenged them with this. And I want you to notice this. He's sending out His disciples, and this is in Luke chapter 9. He's sending out His disciples, and He said to them, Take nothing for your journey. And just so that they wouldn't misunderstand, he kept going. No staff, no bag, no bread, no money. And don't even have a change of clothes, two tunics. And whatever house that you enter, stay there. And from there, depart. And wherever they do not receive you, when you leave that town, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. Now listen, this kind of blows me away. Because if I'm going somewhere, I want to be ready. Okay? I, I want to have all my baggage packed. Uh, this summer we'll be going to uh, the Dominican Republic. I've been for a few years. And uh, Mallory and Karen and now Matt and Amy are do such a good job in pl- have planning the trips and making sure that we've got what we need. And so one of the things that's in our little packet of materials, a, a packing list that tells us, hey, these are the things that you ought to take. And so we make sure that we take those things. After a few years, you learn by experience. You don't want to be without these things. You don't want to miss your bug spray. You don't want to miss your sunscreen. You know, all these things that you got to make sure are packed up in your bag so you can go. And then, of course, (laughs) there's a 50-pound weight limit. And so you're also trying to pack the things that you think somehow you might possibly need if a zombie apocalypse takes place. You know, I've got to have these other things packed along with it. And, and so that's why when you see us, uh, you know, in the hotel before we go to the airport the next morning, pulling out the scales and weighing every bag and all, oh, sometimes they're so close to 50 pounds. Sometimes they're over 50 pounds. So what do we do? Do we say, oh, well, I've got to leave that behind? We go, no. Hey, listen, do you have any extra weight in your bag? I'm not leaving this behind. And so just imagine this. Jesus comes to his disciples and says, hey, guys, I'm sending you out on a mission. They're, they're like, great, great. Let's, let's get our luggage just packed. We're ready to go. Jesus says, hang on. I don't want you to take any bags with you. I don't want you to take a walking stick with you. I don't want you to take any extra food with you. I I do not want you to even take any cash or a change of clothes. As a matter of fact, when you get to a town, just whoever I lead you to, stay with them, stay with them, stay with them. Listen, they may not feed you well, but just stay there. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about what they're feeding you. Don't worry about how you're getting along. Stay there until you're done, and then you move on. 
And, and now, if you're anything like me, you're like, okay, well, Jesus, listen, how about just one bag? This is a, this is a roll-on. This would, you know, I, I could probably take this bag. No, no, leave that behind. All right, well, Jesus, well, how, about, how about just a backpack? Okay, a little backpack where I can put some life's essentials, life's necessities. Can I, just let me put them in a backpack. Jesus said, no, don't take the backpack. So finally, you get down and you say, listen, I'm willing to be a dork. I'll take a fanny pack if you'll just, just let me have a fanny pack. Jesus says, no, listen, you don't get it. All you need is me. I'm what you need. Do you trust me enough to go even when I send you out with nothing? Do you really think I can provide for you? Because that, that parable, that series of stories that Jesus was telling about the ravens and the grass, that's what this is about. Do you trust me when all of life's resources have run out? Am I enough? So here's the, here's the important truth, and this is in your notes. Traveling light does indeed make us vulnerable and dependent. If we're going to travel light, then it makes us vulnerable and it makes us dependent. Now certainly we're dependent on other people. There's that where we have to have someone's help to come alongside us. But but that's not exactly what Jesus is talking about here. The kind of dependence that God, that Jesus is talking about is actual, real, daily dependence on God. But i got to tell you, who among us wants to be vulnerable and dependent, right? We want to be strong and self-reliant. We want to have it. We, 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 we want to have everything that we need. When I'm packing to go somewhere, it's kind of amazing because I've got my phone, and my phone's got almost all the information that my iPad has, but I take my iPad. And my iPad allows me to do most of the things that my MacBook does, but I take my MacBook. And, of course, I take all the cords and cables and wires and all those things that go along with it. And I thought technology was supposed to make our life simpler. I somehow think that if I'm going to get through this day, this week, this month, this year, then it's up to me. And that's not the case. Am I willing to make myself vulnerable? Am I willing to make myself dependent upon Him who is my provider? So here's a challenge. Jesus calls us to trust Him enough to follow Him wherever He leads. Jesus calls us to trust Him enough to wherever He leads we're willing to follow. And here's a reality for many of us. Don't miss this. Here's a reality for many of us. We want to follow Jesus, but we want to do it on our terms. 
Jesus, I'll go with you if. I'll go with you when. I'll go with you but. I, for all their faults and failures, I still marvel when I read through the Gospels and I see Jesus walk up and tell Peter, follow me. And Peter gets out of the boat and follows. I marvel even more at the tax collector because I'm probably more like him than I am Peter. I've got, I've got my life. I've got it set up. I've, I've got what money I have in the bank. There's a sense of secu- I'm secure, sort of. And when he walks up to Matthew in the tax collector's booth and he says, follow me. And Matthew closes down shop and follows. It's not recorded that either Matthew or Peter said, hey, Jesus, I'm willing to follow you, but first, (laughs) let me make sure I've got my accounts in order. First, let me do this. First, let me do that. There's this, this response of saying, okay, I'm coming. Consider the invitation that Jesus gave. If anyone would come after me, that is, hey, listen, if you want to be my disciple, then here you go. Let him deny himself, self-sufficiency, it's gone. Let him deny that he is self-sufficient. Let him deny himself and take up his cross daily, every day, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world, and let it, yet he loses or forfeits himself or his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes into his glory and into the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. In this same chapter, we read about some encounters that Jesus has with at least three people. Um, Luke chapter 9, it says, As they were going along, as Jesus and his disciples, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. Now you now we some of you know the rest of the story, so you're going, oh, yeah, well, I, yeah, right. Okay. Okay. But how many of you don't raise your hand? How many of you have stood up at the end of a service and as the words were on the screen or you held the hymnal in your hand? You sang the song of commitment. I surrender all. Where He leads me, I will follow. No turning back. No turning back. All those songs that are tacked on at the end of a service and you thought it was just the threshold to get you out the door. But you sang them. Words came out of your mouth. And so here, hey, I'll follow you wherever you go. Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. In other words, do you know what you're getting into? I don't even know where I'm sleeping tonight. You still want to come? And then it says here to another, Jesus said, follow me. 
Same words he used for Matthew. Same words he used for Peter. Follow me. But he said, this is the person replying, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. And yet another said, I will follow you, Lord. But first, let me say farewell to those at my home. And Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Now, at first blush, you read this and you go, well, I'm offended. How could Jesus be so harsh? How could he be so insensitive to these seemingly innocuous requests? But Jesus was telling them, and he's telling us by extension, don't miss this. You and I, we do not get to define what it means to be a follower. Now, this is a hard truth. Can I go ahead and tell you? This is a hard truth. Because we want to follow, but we want to set the terms. We want to be in control. And Jesus, I will call you Lord, but I'm going to live as if I'm Lord. Does that that come home to anybody today? I'll call you Lord, but I'm going to live as if I am Lord. Lord, but we don't get to set the limits on Jesus. We don't get to set the terms. We're called to simply trust Him and follow Him wherever He leads, I'll go. Now, I would dare say that most of you would say, I trust Jesus with my eternal salvation. I do. I trust Him. But could you also say that I trust Jesus with my daily living. Do you really believe that He is able to sustain you, to give you what you need to get through today and tomorrow and the day after that? Now you need to know something. When, I, when I'm working on these messages, these messages are also working on me. I'm not preaching to you. I'm preaching as one of you. Because the same things you struggle with, I'm probably struggling with the same stuff. The same things that tempt you, I'm probably tempted by the same stuff. The same baggage you carry, I, got, I probably have a piece of luggage with the same sticker on it. And so I want to tell you what really hit me between the eyes, and it had nothing to do with even the passages that we read here. But in Luke chapter 10, there's a story about uh, two sisters. Jesus has his disciples, and they showed up probably unannounced. And Martha was doing her best to play good host, to do the things that she thought she ought to do. She was in charge. This is my house, my kitchen. We're going to do things my way. We're going to do it when I want to do it. And everybody's here. And so the, the book says I'm supposed to feed them. And so she was in the kitchen and she was fixing stuff. Now, have you ever had a mad person in the kitchen? It's not quiet. And I, I wasn't there. But you can imagine that the dishes 
were not picked up lightly or put down lightly. That there was a lot of slinging and throwing and talking under a breath and all this stuff. And then finally, when she's had enough, she comes out and she says, Jesus. See my sister sitting there? I've been slaving away in the kitchen. For, for all these hungry mouths, by this way, you brought them here. I'm in the kitchen trying to make sure that I'm the good hostess. I'm following the rules. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. My sister's just sitting there on the floor. Sitting there at your feet just soaking it up. I, w- I wish I could sit there at your feet and soak it up, but, but I've got all this stuff I've got to do. And so Jesus says to her, and I'm sure these words were as compassionate as they were convicting. He says to her, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things, but only one thing is necessary. Could Jesus this morning be speaking to you? Those exact same words. You're stressed out. You're tense, you're angry, you're weighed down, you're worn out. You got your baggage. But only one thing is really important. If you get that one thing in the right place, then everything else gets easier. And that one place is at the feet of Jesus. When was the last time you've been at the feet of Jesus? I know your life is busy. I know you're stressed. I know you have responsibilities. I know the burdens get heavy. I know sometimes the bills are more than the checks. I know that. I know you're trying to do the right thing. But are you worried and stressed over so many things but you fail to do the one thing that puts it all in perspective and that is to sit at the feet of Jesus. When we put our baggage down, and we truly can spend some time at the feet of Jesus, it's then we can begin to travel light. Trusting Him every step along the journey. It's then that our burdens are lightened and our confidence in the plan of God for our lives is heightened. It's then when we begin to feel the kind of contentment that Paul talks about where he said, listen, I've learned to be content whatever my circumstances. We begin to understand our lives are not about how much we accomplish or about what other people think about our accomplishments. Our lives are truly about 
who we are in Christ and simply following Him. When you and I finish life's journey, we will look back and wonder why we carried so much baggage along the way. Why we carried so much worry. Why we carried so much anxiety. Why we carried so much fear. Why we carried so much regret. Why we carried so much guilt. Why we carried so much on our own shoulders. When Jesus said, come to me. You who are weary and burdened. And I'll give you rest. Take my yoke on you and learn from me. For my burden is easy, my yoke is light, and you will find rest for your souls. Only one thing matters. It's to be at the feet of Jesus. And I want to invite you, if you haven't been at the feet of Jesus in a long, long time, maybe you want to start again this morning. And I want you, I know these are just steps in a building, but Could they be for you an altar? Could they be for you a place of renewal and recommitment of your life? Could they be a place where you come and kneel and just thank the Lord for being there for you even when you've had tried to do it on your own for so very, very long? Maybe it's time you come and tell Him, you know what, God, I'm not strong enough and I'm not smart enough. And I'm not rich enough. I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour, I need you. For some of you, it's that recommitment, renewal. For some of you, it's just starting out. You didn't know He was a Savior like that. You didn't know He was a God you could trust. But today, because of the Holy Spirit speaking to you, you've recognized that I need to respond. I I need that Jesus in my life, and I want to follow Him. And we'd love to help you. If you need Jesus this morning, we've got some men or women who'd love to talk with you about what it means to follow Christ. Whatever it is that you need to do this morning, we want to invite you to respond. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that you speak to us. Words that were written down centuries and centuries ago find new life and new meaning in our hearts today. And Lord, we're ready to respond. Whether that's to embrace your Son as our Savior for the first time, or whether that's to acknowledge that even though we've called Him Lord, we've lived as if He weren't. And we're ready for a new start, a new beginning. Lord, we are worried and anxious about so many things. Lord, may we see with spiritual eyes today that only one thing matters. And may we find that one thing at the feet of Jesus. Lord, you lead us. We'll respond. We ask it in the powerful name of our Savior, And our Lord Jesus, amen.